All right, well, good morning, church. Glad to see you guys again today. We've been studying through the book of James here on Sunday mornings, and we've been looking at the first couple of chapters so far. The first week got challenged by James, talking about how we should count all of our trials, joys, and face them with courage, knowing that God is making us stronger through them. And then last week, got to talk about the end of chapter 2, where we need to be doers and workers, not just believers, but we have a faith that means something and is put to action. So today I want to continue us there in James in our sermon series and uh, see what James is challenging us with here in chapter 2. Everything okay? Larry's been looking at me weird this whole time. Do I have something on my shirt or something? Carol, what are you wearing? Oh, this is... Eh. Just what I picked out for today. Courtney says I shouldn't dress myself, but I think it looks pretty good. Uh, why are you guys laughing? What do you think? I look like I'm working. Uh, well, I am working, so I appreciate that. Thank you, Terry. All right, well, I guess we'll just move on then. If I look like I'm working, I am working. Let me ask you this question as we get started today. Let me ask you, you can think about this. Have you ever thought differently about someone based on their appearance? Have you ever made a presumption maybe because you saw their appearance and you're like, you know, that's what they're doing, that's who they are, whatever it might be. Um, maybe your perception has just changed because of how you interacted or how you saw someone. And maybe the way you did interact with them changed based on what you observed. Yeah, I think we all do that. If you don't can't think of any right now. Let me just spur on some thoughts here. You ever interacted with somebody differently because they looked like this? Maybe not. We've got some bikers in this congregation, so maybe not. What about if they looked like this? You automatically have some sort of presumption about what's going on in their life, who they are as a person, if they look like this or they look like this, or maybe they look like this guy. You're like, oh yeah, I know what's about to happen there. Also, fan fantastic movie. Matilda's a fantastic movie. Um, what about this one? This one might hit closer to home than you're thinking. What about this guy? He's from an unnamed state where they like to drive Teslas, right? We just automatically, uh, as humans, we start to build a perception of someone based on how we look at them, how we perceive them, what the image is that now becomes what we think of them. We do it all the time in our normal human lives, and sometimes it's a really good thing. We'll get rid of him. He's distracting. Sometimes it's a really, really good thing, right? You see a dark alley. You perceive that it may not be the safest place, so you don't walk down it at midnight. You're safe. Your perception has helped you out. You see a grizzly bear or a mountain lion or even maybe a big elk, and you're like, you know what? I don't think I need to pet the grizzly bear or the mountain lion or even the big elk or the bison. Well, yeah, that one's too close to home. Please don't pet the bison. <sighs> Some people perceive that. <laughs> you perceive that it's a big animal that can mess you up, and so you don't go near them. It keeps you safe. But sometimes, even as humans, our perceptions are wrong. Not even talking spiritually, just talking physically. Sometimes our perceptions are wrong, right? And it could be because we're trying to keep each other safe. 
It could be just because of uh, how we grew up or where we're from or what we see often. I have this conversation a lot, like Dave and I kind of had it today. Dave, being an officer for so long, he perceives things differently. And so he knows different places to be or not to be because he's seen all the bad things that have happened. But sometimes our perception is wrong. Uh, Thursday night, I think, for some reason, I was going to the bathroom. I was up at midnight, and I saw a flashlight glow across my yard through the window. And I don't like flashlights going across my yard at midnight. So I get up, and at the same instant, I was like, oh, you know what? I left my backpack in my car, and my car unlocked, so let's not get a laptop stolen today. So I went out there, and I grabbed my backpack. And as I was grabbing my backpack, I noticed someone across the street kind of standing in the shadows looking kind of suspect. So, you know, it's been kind of weird lately since the 4th of July. So what I did is I went and got the pistol, and I sat by the window for a little bit. And about 20 minutes later, this guy had sat down next to the fence in the shadows, and I was like, what is this person doing? And I see him get up rather quickly and go to my neighbor's motorcycle and hop on something. And I'm like, here it is. So I burst open the front door. I come charging out half naked with a pistol, and I scare the heck out of this guy. Turns out he's on his electric bicycle, not... (laughs) Not the motorcycle. He wasn't stealing it. And he had been sitting there waiting for his friend to get home because he'd locked his phone in his backpack in her house. And about the time that I'm uh, putting the pistol back away and he's explaining, the neighbor pulls up. And it's all good. On my side of things, I mean, I couldn't go to sleep for a little bit afterwards, but I don't know about him. He might have been scared a whole lot. (laughs) But my perception was wrong. And he told me, I'm sorry, I know it looks sketchy. I know it's just some guy in a hoodie sitting across the street. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And I said, it's all good. I'm just glad you weren't doing anything you weren't supposed to be. But my perception was wrong. And it was midnight, so I have some credit there, but my perception was wrong. James wants to talk to us about our perception and partiality and judgment, if you want to use those words. And he does that here in James chapter 2. And that's where we're going to be today. James chapter 2. Last week we were in the end of James chapter 1 and the end of James chapter 2. But today we're going to rewind it just a second and go back to the beginning of James chapter 1. And we're going to hang, or James chapter 2, and we're going to hang out in verse 1. So if you want to open your Bibles up, we're going to start there in verse 1 of James chapter 2. And if you have noticed, I hope you've noticed that as we've been studying through James, James is all about practical Christianity. He wants you to have a a real faith, a real Christianity. Or as we read last week at the end of chapter 2, he wants true religion to be with these Christians, what we are all about. He wants us to be real religious people, not just religious people. He wants us to be real Christians, not just Christians. And so he's writing to these Jews who are now Christians And he's writing to us to this very day about what we can do to have real Christianity. And like I said, we talked about tackling trials. We talked about putting in the work with what are you doing? Are you doing anything? And today, James is going to challenge us with partiality, with judging. But you might, you know, be thinking to yourself, you know, we've talked about judging people before. (laughs) 
We've talked about being impartial or um, not being partial to some people before, and you'd be right. Uh, Back in May, we were in Acts chapter 10. We were looking at the story of Peter, where Peter has the vision, and he realizes through the vision from God, God teaches him that all people are welcome to be Christians. All people are welcome into the faith household, Jews and Gentiles. See, that was mind-blowing for Peter, mind-blowing for the Jews. At the time, they were so stuck on how one nationality had to be welcome the only Christians, the only followers of God, the only children of God. But that all got changed because of Jesus. And you might be thinking when we read stories like that in Acts chapter 10, you're like, well, thank goodness, we don't really, we don't really have to deal with racism that much anymore. I would challenge us and say maybe we do, but yeah, you're right. We, we don't have to deal with saying one group of people is not allowed in here quite as much. But we do have to deal with partiality still. We do have to deal with judgment still. And then almost on cue, Larry gave about a month ago a sermon talking about how we, he, needs to practice being less judgmental. And he made fun of what I wear, so here you go, Larry. But we come back to it again here in James chapter 2, and it's almost like Christians are constantly needing to be reminded about not judging people, not being partial to people because of what they are. It's almost like it's purposeful that it's over and over and over again, and James is going to take us through it yet again. So if you would, let's read these first few verses in James chapter 2. James chapter 2, verses 1 through 5. I'm in the English Standard Version. You're welcome to read along wherever you are. James 2, 1 through 5. He writes to the Christians, he says, My brothers, show no partiality as you hold the faith in our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory. For if a man wearing a gold ring and fine clothing comes into your assembly, and a poor man in shabby clothing also comes in, and if you pay attention to the one who wears the fine clothing and you say, you sit here in a good place, where you say to the poor man, you stand over there or sit at my feet. Have you not made distinctions among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Listen, my beloved brothers, has not God chosen those who are poor in the world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom, which he has promised to all of those who love him? James chapter 2, verses 1 through 5. Again, James doesn't take long to get to what he's wanting to say, does he? he? This is a challenging book. He's writing to love on the brothers in Christ and sisters, but man, he just gets right to it. He says, this is what you need to work on. So he comes to the topic with full force. And the topic that he's challenging these Jewish Christians on and the topic he's challenging us with today is partiality. Judging people before we even know them. Judging them when they walk through the door, specifically here, right? Uh, You know, we looked at judging impartiality before, but man, James gives a really practical example. One we still have to deal with and wrestle with to this very day, right? He says, in your assemblies, when someone comes in that looks nice, rich, with a golden ring and a nice suit, versus that one that looks poor and shabby clothing, do you treat them differently? 
That's a very practical one we still deal with to this day, right? People in all sorts of attire with all sorts of looks can walk right into our assembly. What's he say about it, though? Well, James says, if you treat the one that looks nice with the suit and the ring and you put them on the front row, but yet you tell the poor shabby looking one to sit in the back or on the floor, you are judging, first off, but you also are judging with evil thoughts. That's the really, really challenging one for us because we know it can be a struggle. We know it can be a struggle to not judge sometimes. We know that we do it in our daily lives. It helps keep us safe. But the part that James is really getting after the Christians about is this is no longer just a physical thing. This is no longer for your safety, but you're making this a spiritual thing the wrong way. You're judging. You're being partial, but because of that, you're having evil thoughts. In other words, you're looking down upon the person you told to sit in the back on the floor. And you're lifting up the one who you think looks nice with the golden ring and the suit, putting him up front. Your thoughts have moved from worshiping God and being spiritual and sharing the gospel to, man, this will make our assembly look really good if he's on the camera. They didn't have cameras back then. You know what I mean. Yeah. Something we still struggle with today, and he gives such a practical, practical example. But what's he say about the people that we are inclined to shove to the back and forget about? He says those who are poor are actually rich. Again, he's not talking about physical things. He's talking about spiritual things. He says the shabby-looking one, the poor one, is actually rich in eternity. Why? Because he also inherits the kingdom of God. Because who inherits the kingdom of God? It was right there in the end of verse 5. He has promised it to those who love him. So the poor man, or the rich man, or the good-looking one, or the shabby-looking one, who gets heaven? the one who loves God. The one who loves God, that's who it's promised to. Not the one that looks good or looks bad, but the one who loves God. James is really challenging us as Christians here. He's not not challenging the people that walk in. He's challenging us who are here not to be judgmental and partial based on the image, but rather to know if they love God know if they love God. Something we have to work on continually. Maybe it's just me. Maybe it's just me. But he keeps going here in verses 6 and 7. The main point overall is he wants to drive home the point that we are all equal in his eyes. Those who enter the kingdom are those that love him, not those who are rich or poor. But he continues on here in verses 6 and 7 of James chapter 2. Again, I'm in the ESV. He says, but you have dishonored the poor man and are not the rich ones the ones who oppress you? Aren't they the ones who drag you into court? Are they not the ones who blaspheme the honorable name by which you were called? I took kind of a strategic pause there because he says they are all equal in his eyes and then he kind of flips the script around, doesn't he? He says, those who inherit the kingdom are the ones that love God. And then he says, and you might be judging completely backwards. He says, aren't the rich man, the good-looking one with the ring, isn't that the guy or the people who oppress you? 
Isn't that the people who drag you into court? Aren't those the ones that blaspheme the name of God? James is really driving home the point of how humans look at things. He's saying, you think the poor man is the one that doesn't serve God. You think the poor man's the one that's in trouble. But contrary to that, in my example right here, the rich man who looks good is the one that is going against God, even blaspheming his name. James flips it completely around on him. So he's not only telling us not to be partial and not to judge, but he's also telling us that sometimes our judgments are completely backwards from God's. Sometimes we're wrong. Sometimes we've got it flipped. Just like me and my little story earlier this week, sometimes we're wrong when it comes to judging people spiritually as we try to do. Because what's God look at? God doesn't look at the rings or the clothing or the cologne or the messy hair or the dirty clothes, none of that. Samuel would write in 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 7, I invite you to take this one home and write it down, look it up. He would say that the Lord doesn't see things the way that you and I see them. Rather, people judge by the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. People judge by outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Generations before James, generations before Peter, before Paul, Samuel is writing that God doesn't look at the outside, but rather he looks at the heart. Isn't that what James is saying right here? James is saying, the kingdom of God is given to those that love God. Oh, how true it is that man looks at the outside and God looks at the inside. Oh, how true it is. So not only are we judging, sometimes we're judging wrong because we're basing our judgments, our perceptions, our partiality on the outside. But if this wasn't enough of a reason, enough of a challenge to not be partial, James keeps on going through the end of where we're going to read today. He keeps on going here in verse 8. And we're going to read through verse 13. This is kind of his whole section about this in chapter 2. If that wasn't enough of a reason, let's keep reading. Because he's going to say, if you are judging, you're sinning. James chapter 2, starting in verse 8. If you really fulfilled the royal law, according to the scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. You are doing well. But if you show partiality, you are committing sin and convicted by the law as transgressors. For whoever keeps the whole law but fails in one point has become guilty of all of it. For he who said, do not commit adultery, also said, do not murder. For if you do not commit adultery, but you do murder, you have become a transgressor of the law. So speak, so speak and so act as those who are being judged under the law of liberty. For judgment is without mercy to one who has shown no mercy. But mercy, mercy triumphs over judgment. Mercy triumphs over judgment. James is saying judging people is bad. Being partial to them on what they look like is bad. We could just go home with that today. But he goes a step further, doesn't he? He says, if you are being partial to someone, you're having the evil thoughts because of your perception, that is sin. 
that is sin. And you are judged on sin. You know that. You know that you are all sinners and you don't want to add to the list of sins, do you? He even kind of plays, a, you know, he already answers the comeback before it even comes around. I can envision he, he's seeing the Christians hearing this, the Jewish Christians, they're like, yeah, but this is the only sin I'm doing. But James doesn't let that be, does he? He says, you know what? Only sin doesn't matter. He says, if we told you not to murder and not commit adultery, and you say, I'm not committing adultery, you're still a murderer. You're still a murderer. You're still sinning, transgressing his word in the ESV. And he says, likewise, same exact this is. You might be a perfect Christian, completely not murdering and not committing adultery. Good for you. But if you're doing this, brought the whole ship down. If you're showing partiality and judging on evil thoughts of people, you are a sinner. That would be a terrible place to end his thought. Terrible place. Because he says, you aren't judged based on no mercy, even though you should be judged on no mercy, but rather you are covered by the law of liberty. Basically, he's saying, you'll probably still be a sinner. (laughs) I wonder if James is saying that from experience. You'll probably still be a sinner. But you are covered by mercy. You are given the law of liberty to be freed once again from your transgressions. It's called Jesus. It's his gospel message. He will always cover you. But doesn't that mean the same exact thing for the person that you are judging right now? He flips it back on him. He says, don't you remember? You are judged by mercy. Shouldn't you be judging by mercy? Because that's what God is giving you. And he says it so powerfully in so little words. He says, mercy triumphs over judgment. Thank God for that. If judgment triumphed over mercy, we would all be damned. But mercy triumphs over judgment for me. Thank you, Jesus, for the gift. Mercy triumphs over judgment for you. Thank you, Jesus, for the gift. And mercy triumphs over judgment for the rich man and the poor man, the shabby and the well-dressed, even the ones that blaspheme and even the ones that torture or even the ones with the pure heart that walk in but don't look right. That's what James is saying. So not only is he saying that everybody is equal in God's eyes and we shouldn't be judging, he's saying we have the greatest reason to be anti-judging. We have the greatest reason to be anti-partial. Because if God was partial and Christ was partial and he picked the select few that he wanted to die on the cross for, and God picked the select few that were good enough like he did for Noah's time, And he didn't show mercy, but he showed partiality and selected the ones he thought looked right. I don't think anybody would be here today. We would all be lost with nothing to do. But instead, mercy triumphs over judgment. Mercy triumphed over judgment for me. So why am I wearing this today, Larry? Well, an outfit like this is just kind of a good little simple reminder that No matter what we look like, we're all equal in His eyes. No matter how we would judge ourselves or judge others, 
God doesn't show any partiality. Instead, he says we're all equal and we're all equally given mercy. And I thank God every day for that. Whether I'm looking like this or I'm looking like normal. Thank you.